Hi, you're listening to Audio Smut, the podcast. I'm Mitra. Today, the poo episode. Everyone poops. So why is it so taboo, taboo, taboo? But seriously, what is the big deal? Today on Audio Smut, we hope to open up some very frank and honest conversations about poo. We are starting with some serious ass science. Things you can do with your butt. Touch it. Touch it. Poke, poke it, it. Lick it. it smack, smack it. it ram it. Ram it. Finger it. Fuck it. Mm. Here's the dirty on Pooh's favorite highway. The stuff that's in your butt, the anus, the anal canal, the rectum, the muscles. The anus is the opening of the anal canal. It is comprised mainly of soft tissues, rich in blood vessels and nerve endings that are incredibly sensitive. When you are turned on, the soft tissues in the area will become engorged with blood. You can have fun stimulating the area around your anus through touch or analingus. Hello. Everyone has hair around their anus. Some people like to get that waxed. Some people also like to have their anus bleached to make it pretty for them. Just inside your anus is the anal canal. It's about one or two inches long and is made up of the same soft tissue as the anus. Like clits and dicks, this tissue will become engorged when you get turned on, making it very sensitive to touch. The anal canal will expand during arousal, but will feel tighter because of your sphincter muscles. Uh. There are two sphincter muscles in the anus. The external sphincter surrounds the anal opening. Most people can learn to relax and control it with more precision than you already use while pooing. The internal sphincter is controlled by your nervous system. They work together and will respond in sync. When you are all hot and relaxed, so will they. You also have perineal muscles between your anus and your genitals, and you have pelvic muscles and PC muscles. All of these muscles undulate and contract during orgasm, and with practice can be trained to work for your pleasure. You can also work out these muscles by practicing tensing and relaxing them. Try it now. This can be the difference between pain and pleasure during anal activities. Many people experience higher levels of sensitivity by working out these muscles, like doing Kegels exercises. You can also buy anal beads, Benoit balls, butt plugs, or dildos and experiment with your sphincter muscles, attaining arousal deeper in your butt. The rectum is eight or nine inches long and is composed of folds of smooth and soft tissue. It expands more than the anal canal during arousal. The rectum curves up a bit towards your navel, then back towards your spine, then back towards your navel again. That is why it's a good idea to take it slow at first when having penetrative anal sex so that you can get to know the unique curves of your rectum and relax into it properly with a rhythm, texture, and depth that works for you. But baby, take it slow. 
When you're able to relax these muscles and when you are aroused and properly lubricated, anal play and sex should not be painful. Ooh. Things you can do with your butt. Spank, Spank it, it. Rub, rub it, it probe, probe it, it plug it, it suck it, it finger it. it. So get in the butt. I said what what 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 in the butt. We now know that the butt can be a pleasure highway. But we still have to face the fact that shit comes out of there. Let us learn how we can deal with shit. Or maybe we can just enjoy it. At 31, I continue to have vivid dreams about poo that have haunted me since I was a child. It's of a propped up toilet seat encrusted with dark brown, gessoed smears of shit around the rim of shiny white porcelain. Inches away are strands of pubic hairs and golden splotches of dried piss. It never fails that the toilet is always conspicuously lit by the overhead bathroom light positioned perfectly under the spotlight. The recurring dreams piggyback on my lifelong fear of taking a piss or shit out of my repulsion of germs and cleanliness. Public bathrooms? porta potties Hate them. Growing up, I'd wash my hands a good 10 times every hour. The backs of my hands were raw and sensitive to the touch from overexposure to the soap and hot water. At any given moment, they appeared red and textured like dry reptilian skin. Classmates throughout junior high and high school were well aware of my innate fears of germs and bodily wastes. In an attempt to ditch my hang-ups about shit in favor of sexy time, I gave anal sex a try. At 20, I lost my anal virginity. My then-boyfriend had rammed his hard and spry cock up my ass. It literally felt like I was taking a shit, and it was the unsexiest sex I had had. Nearly a decade after I lost my anal virginity, I decided to seek out answers to quell my fears of poo and sex. You watch porn and everything is perfect. Everything looks like... You could drink tea off that person's ass, you know, <laughs> like you could like have your grandmother over and it'd be fine. Thomas is also a worrywart when it comes to cleanliness. I'm often made fun of by everybody around me, basically, for like using hand sanitizer. Purell is my best friend. He dates dudes and wasn't prepared to forego anal sex for fear of poo. You know, I just didn't want to have to deal with this as like something that would cause anxiety. He checked out websites and online chat forums for straight and gay sex advice alike. The solutions varied. Do you like douche or do you not douche? Another common theme in the discussion online was try things out, see what works for you because everybody's body is different and everybody's sexual experience is different. Metamucil is like a wonder product. Dan Savage, who kind of has his like stock answer for this question, which is go into the bathroom, hang out for a good long while, take a magazine, let whatever is in your system get through it. (laughs) 
Thomas discovered that some poo is messier than others, and that you can actually control the mess factor through what you put into your body. After all, what goes in is what goes out. I have this like formula to prepare myself. You know, maybe I'll be thinking about, okay, you know, like what am I going to order off the menu? You know, maybe my friend orders the fried everything menu, but, you know, I'm going to order like grilled chicken and a salad. Something that's really like simple, don't have to worry about it. It just goes through your body like nothing and you're all set. 24 hours from when, you know, I expect I'm probably going to have sex or... 36 hours. What am I doing to prepare myself? Eating stuff that is not going to be like terribly hard on my digestive system, not tons of ice cream and fried chicken, that kind of stuff. I just eat, you know, fruits, vegetables, protein, you know, simple stuff. If you're going to be engaging in anal sex, you have to kind of have the expectation that you'll encounter a situation where like it's not totally clean and you'll have to deal with it and just kind of be like, okay, we'll do something else. And if you aren't ready to do that, then, you know, probably shouldn't be having anal sex. You have to kind of learn to deal with it. So that's it? There's nothing about a shit rocket shooting out of anyone's ass and blinding your partner? You have control over your shit by what you eat, and enemas aren't necessary. At the very least, the experimentation with Metamucil and different diets are worth a try, and learning to love the anus in the dark might be the beginning of my journey to get over my shit about shit. I knew I wanted to do it because... I have this deep-rooted interest, or I, I wouldn't call it obsession, but uh, fascination with, with feces. I just wrote that I'm looking for an experience in which there's bodily fluid exchange, but also a place where I'm very safe and I don't want to be touched. At first, I was thinking about asking for like 80 $90, and I said something like that, and he was like, really? You think you're only worth $80? And I was like, oh, wow, what am I worth? And then in my head I was like, I'm worth billions and billions of dollars. But I ended up saying like an hourly rate of like $200, $250, and then he was actually really specific in the type of poop that he wanted me to relieve myself of. So I ate very specific things. I had chickpeas and a hamburger, I think, and I definitely remember uh, having an erection while I, was, while I was eating these foods. I also thought, am I going to have to tell this story to the person that I end up falling in love with? Is this going to like, is this going to be the, the one thing in a relationship that breaks everything up? And, and I just continued to get more and more nauseous. And then I was like, oh God, I should just, I should just go smoke a cigarette. <sighs> I remember looking in the mirror once. And that's unusual because usually when I get dressed, I look in the mirror 10, 15 times to approve myself for, for entering into society. But I looked in the mirror once and I was just like, ugh, God, I, I, ugh, this is nasty. 
But then I was like, I don't really give a shit because I don't have to give a shit because I'm going to shit. I left my apartment at a, like 8 or 9 p.m. It was dark outside and it was cold. And I walked. Uh, I walked all the way to Midtown. I don't know why that the appearance of wealth brought security to me, but I immediately looked at the building and said, okay, I'm, I'm gonna be okay. So he opens the door and then I get into his apartment and the entire apartment was white. Like everything was white. Every single thing was white. The walls and the air conditioner unit and the painting and the ceiling and the carpet and the even the cups and the silver. It was like insane. And in the living room, he had tarp on the on the floor, taped onto the floor. And then there was this giant pedestal of a chair that kind of looked like a lifeguard chair with a toilet seat screwed onto the top. And you couldn't hear anything except for the air conditioner humming. And it was just like... There was almost no interaction. We didn't really speak at all. And he lied down on the tarp and and waved his hand for me to sit down. My seat was in between his hip line and his head so that when I relieved myself, it would fall onto his chest. And he undressed himself so he was naked and he was kind of looking up into the, into the ceiling. And then, and then I just sat there for like five or 10 minutes. I, I couldn't like, I couldn't, I couldn't go to the bathroom. I was like, I'm, I'm really nervous. And he started, he started masturbating. You could tell because you could hear it. You could hear him um, move his hand up and down on his penis. And then as soon as I started going to the bathroom, it moved really quickly. And it was kind of like a huge adrenaline rush. And I was just like really going to the bathroom. And he was like really, really masturbating. And it was like this intense, uh, uh, like plethora of energy. And, and I was going to the bathroom and he was masturbating vigorously. And then he started speaking and he started, he started saying uh, that a boy and, and calling me uh, as if I was his son almost. And that was really, really uncomfortable. And then... He came. I looked at him and he pointed his hand in the direction of the bathroom. And then I looked at myself in the mirror and was like, oh, I didn't ask for the money before I did this. What if he doesn't give it to me? What if he doesn't pay me? What am I going to do? Oh my God, oh my God. And then I opened the bathroom door and my heart is pounding because I'm like, well, how, how am I going to word this? I this feels so strange. And I walk into the to the living room really slowly and he looks at me and immediately points to the to the dresser and there's an envelope in between a picture of his son and a candle. And I took the envelope and then I just left and he just was on the floor the entire time. And I closed the door and I ran to the elevator and I opened the envelope and there was a lot of money in there. There was more money than we agreed. It was a ridiculous amount of money. It was like really ridiculous. It was the most expensive shit I ever took in my life. <laughs> and then I decided to walk home and I was still filled with adrenaline and I was walking down the street and I was like moving with a beat and I was like, yeah, yeah, oh yeah. I just shot on someone's chest. 
And then I kept walking and I felt this huge overwhelming feeling of, of like disgust. I, I, I'm never going to be able to be in a relationship. This is terrible. And then I got like 20 blocks up and I was like, this is so stupid. It was as much of a, an, an experience for him. It was as much as an experience for him as it was an experience for me. And I was getting just as much pleasure out of shitting on his chest as he was, as he was. And then I just kept walking. I masturbated on the evening. It was like the icing on the cake. I came on the cake, my cum was the icing. I felt triumphant. I felt like I did something that I was afraid of doing and also that I thought was wrong, that I shouldn't think is wrong. And so when I masturbated, it was like, yes! Welcome back to Audio Smut, the podcast. Today is the poo episode. You were just listening to a story produced by Sharona B. Our next story is told by Lori. She's a storyteller. Her sexual awakening started a bit later in her life. This story, like many of hers, will make you laugh, blush, and you'll be humbled by her circumstance. When my marriage ended a few years ago, I was starved for affection and I was starved for sex. And um, I was also starved for adventure because I had just turned 40. And so I, uh, I, I think I was also going through a midlife crisis. I lived with my husband for 10 years. We were married for 10 years. When I moved into my new apartment, uh, I, I loved it. But I, I realized that I was really lonely. And um, because I'd also, I think, was going through a midlife crisis, I'd also quit my job. So I had a lot of time on my hands. I uh, sat in my new apartment, which was very sparsely uh, furnished. And at night, I would sit with my laptop on my hand on my lap and have a glass of wine. And when I say glass, I mean bottle. So I would just have cocktails and, and surf the web. And one night, I happened upon this website. It was a sex blog run by some guy in Manhattan who called himself the easiest lay in Manhattan. And I was reading his blog and um, this guy was way more sexually adventurous than I had ever been. I was pretty sexually inexperienced even when I got married and even after my marriage because my husband and I were pretty vanilla. And so I'm reading this guy's blog and he's, he's bisexual. He has orgies, he has many, many girlfriends and boyfriends, and I was just totally blown away by what I was reading. And over the course of a few weeks, I actually got up the courage to email him. And um, we emailed back and forth, and finally he said, you know, do you want to meet? And that was what I was waiting for, of course. I was waiting to meet this guy. We get in touch. We make a date to meet. Um, he lived on the west side at, around Midtown. And I, I, was, I was not thinking that this guy might murder me. I was, thinking, I, I was thinking, I hope he wants to have sex with me. That's how sort of low my self-esteem was at that point. So the, the day I'm supposed to go meet him, I, I 
get a manicure and I have my hair done and I jump in a cab and I go over to around his apartment and I go to the Barnes and Noble at 66th Street. Uh, eventually this very, to me, very handsome blonde haired man is sort of walking up and down the sidewalk and he sort of gives me the side eye and he says, are you Lori? And I said I was and so we walk to his apartment and it's doorman building. We go up to his apartment and the door opens. And the first thing he says to me is that he, these are my books. And he talks about his books because they're totally, they're lined up by author and by genre. So that's, you know, nonfiction, historical, nonfiction, sex, nonfiction. And so and now I'm, I'm really starting to fall for this guy. And, um, and that began our relationship. And so over the course of the next month or two, we met, we met a couple of times a week to have sex. And so, you know, this it was a whirlwind journey through sex for me. I was doing everything I'd never done before. And one day I'm at his apartment and we'd been having sex for like three hours. And we were doing things, again, still things that I'd never been done. He, he flogged me and he tied me up. And there's no euphemism for anal sex that I like. Anyway, we did that. And uh, after about three hours of all of this, I'm, my, I'm just completely relaxed. So we're sitting, on the, we're sitting on the bed having a glass of bourbon, and he turns to me and says, hey, have you ever had a G-spot orgasm? And I said, no, of course not. And he said, lay back. So I laid back on his bed. And I kind of like had my knees up, and I splayed my legs, and he went to work, and he had his hand inside me, and he's you know, working on it and working on it. And I have, I'm experiencing something that I've never experienced before. I People say that the G-spot doesn't exist. I'm here to tell you that it's there. And I feel myself getting higher, higher and higher and making my journey up the mountain. And oh, I have this screaming orgasm and I'm just shaking all over. And then I realize that something is really, really wrong. And I pause for a minute and I said, did I poop? And he said, yep. And I, I, what could I do? I was so mortified. I just, I covered my face like a little kid thinking that I would be invisible if I covered my face. Oh my God. 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 I just kept saying, oh my God. And finally he cut me off and said, you might want to go get yourself cleaned up. Oh my God. Oh my God. I jumped out of the bed. I took a step toward the bathroom and he tapped my arm and he said, wait, you might want to take this with you. And I looked down and it was a tissue with my poop on it. My first impulse, I thought to myself, I'm not touching that. <laughs> and so I, I grabbed it. I ran into the bathroom. I started to get myself cleaned up. And I really am the kind of person that it, when I'm humiliated or feel shame, I'll burst into tears. And I realized I wasn't bursting into tears. And I'm cleaning myself up and I and I thought, wait a minute. I don't I don't I don't feel horrible. I'm embarrassed. And then I started to feel sort of this exultant feeling, the way I, I presume that people who've survived plane crashes feel, the sort of invincible. In that moment I actually realized I had just done the worst possible thing that you can do while having sex. And I was okay. I was alive. I was absolutely mortified. But I was okay. And 
I use this story as a way to, to explain that I've inoculated myself against embarrassment. And so I say that, you know, if you go to lunch and you come back, come back and you realize you have spinach in your teeth or you compliment someone on their pregnancy and realize they've just gained weight, that just, you know, relax, take a deep breath and say to yourself, hey, at least I never pooped in someone's bed. Hey folks, you were just listening to a story told by Lori. We thank you for joining us on our poo show. I hope you feel a bit more at ease about one of the most natural things our bodies do. I want to remind you to subscribe to Audio Smut in iTunes, rate us, and write us a review. Visit our website at audiosmut.ca. We got a bit of a makeover. Follow us on Twitter and like us on Facebook. We have one final piece for you. It's by the dashing, long-haul trucker. For this story, we go to India. There's nothing like a spell in India to deepen one's relationship with one's own ass. Several years ago, I lived in a small city in the far south of India. A few weeks into my stay, I came across a short news article that made me take note. It compared Western and Indian styles of wiping one's own backside. Western. Toilet paper. Bathroom tissue. Lots of it. Indian, and many other places in the non-Western world. A bucket of water. A bar of soap. One soap is proved the mildest soap of all. And your left hand. To Westerners, the Indian method is both logistically mysterious and utterly horrifying. You do what? With your own hand? Funnily enough, the Indian perspective on our Western method is not much different. As the host mother of a friend explained to her, if you got shit on your TV screen, would you use paper to smear it all around? Our Western method involves, quite literally, smearing our asses with our own fecal matter until they are, quote, clean. Not surprisingly, depending on your diet and the consistency of your movement on a particular day, it can take repeated efforts, which depletes the paper supply. Sometimes you run out, usually at the worst time imaginable, and also causes abrasion. Really bad abrasion. Or, even more unsightly, stains. Now consider for a moment the Indian method. Grab a cup of water with your right hand. You can let it be warm if you like. Now pour the water down your backside and, at the same time, splash up into your crevice with the left hand. After a couple of splashes, you can get up in there deeper if you like. And yes, you will touch poo. But you know what? You've got the soap right there to clean yourself off. And you will learn, just maybe, to get over it. You will also learn more intimately the folds of your own crack and anus, thereby demystifying the most nether of nether regions. And with knowledge comes power, and sometimes curiosity, the impulse for further exploration. And what's more, having been lovingly washed with water and fingers, 
your ass will feel softer, gentler, and much, much cleaner. Hmm. <laughs> Promise. Hey guys, this episode of Audio Smut was produced by Ray Dooley, Jen Ng, Sharona B, Caitlin Prest, The Long Haul Trucker, and myself, Mitra Kaboli. Thanks for listening. <laughs>